the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 75. I'm your host, Eric Moore. This week, what the heck has the Federal Reserve been buying? They announced they were going to buy a lot of ETFs and bonds. Uh, they just released their latest report that actually covers through June 16th, and it was quite interesting to see what they've been buying. Plus, um, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, you know, Jeremy Siegel did an interview on Barry Ritholtz's podcast, uh, Masters in Business. I'll link to that, of course. I think I linked to it in a couple shows ago, where he said he's not calling for crazy inflation, but he's saying, wouldn't be surprised with all the expansion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, with this uh, quote unquote money printing, uh, the stimulus checks, everything else going into what's called the M1 money supply. And I've had some questions recently about what are these TIPS bonds, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities? How exactly do they work? Um, Seems to be a little bit of confusion around how they work. Um, There's a couple different ways to to access those, either individually or through ETFs. So I'll, I'll cover those. But first, what has the Federal Reserve been doing? Well, As of, let me see when this was, Uh, they came out, and I'll link to this, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, the SMCCF, SMCCF, and that's the the Federal Reserve Secondary Market Corporate Credit Facility, so SMCCF, and they created that March 23rd. And it was created, and I'll I'll link to this page on the Federal Reserve website, to support credit to employers by providing liquidity to the market for outstanding corporate bonds. And they've said they do that by purchasing in the secondary market corporate bonds uh, issued by investment-grade U.S. companies and certain U.S. companies that were investment-grade as of March 22nd as well as U.S.-listed exchange-traded funds whose investment objective is to provide broad exposure to the market for U.S. corporate bonds, because I'm reading right from the, uh, the Federal Reserve. And what they're trying to do is they're, they say they're you know, buying these corporate bonds will create a portfolio that tracks a broad, diversified market index of U.S. corporate bonds. And so looks like uh, they have, so May 29th was the first release. They just came out with it again. Looks like a report to con- uh, Congress on June 28th. And the thing I'm going to link to, you can actually download the SMCCF Transaction Specific Disclosures Report. It's an Excel spre- uh, spreadsheet. So some interesting things that we've seen that they're buying. So the first thing is, They've been buying exchange-traded funds. And if you look at, uh, I recently did an article called, uh, you know, and I'll link to it, of course, really don't fight the Fed with a question mark. And so they updated their their holdings through June 18th. So I imagine uh, if this holds, uh, we had a report through May 19th. We had a report through June 18th. So if this schedule holds, we would expect the end of July uh, to get a report, you know, through maybe uh, July, I don't know, 17th or so, because uh, July 18th is Saturday. Some interesting things, though. Now, it's worth noting that when they initial, initially created this facility, the Federal Reserve said 
it would purchase up to $250 billion in outstanding corporate debt and up to $500 billion in newly issued debt. Well, so where are they right now? And they didn't really specify when they said that debt. Are they doing individual bonds or are they doing exchange-traded funds? But through June 16th, the ETFs, they have purchased $6.8 billion, $6.8 billion worth of bond-related exchange-traded funds. And so just kind of looking down the list, and you can see this for yourself if you go to the article, uh, the biggest one they've purchased is LQD. That's the iShares, iBox, U.S. Dollar Investment Grade Corporate Bond ETF. So those are investment grade, right? So those are higher rated bonds. They're not junk bonds. And they bought about $1.7 you know, billion, almost $1.8 billion in that one alone. They bought uh, Vanguard, Vanguard, sorry, short-term corporate debt uh, ETF, VCSH. That's $1.3 billion. And so there's probably, I don't know, at least a dozen or so of these that they bought. And it looks like they're buying, you know, they've got, uh, let's see, U.S. high dollar, uh, U.S. high yield corporate bond ETF, so HYLB. So that's going to be a, a high yield bond, so that's junk. They've bought a Fallen Angel high yield bond fund from Van Eck Vectors, A-N-G-L. Of course, Fallen Angels is when a company falls in rating from investment grade down to junk. Uh, so a good example of that might be Ford, right? So Ford Motor, um, they recently got, uh, I don't know how recent it is, but it was uh, one of the rating agencies did it last year, another one did it this year, where they downgraded them to junk status. And they're actually buying SJNK, uh, which is the Bloomberg Barclay short-term high-yield bond fund. Anyway, there's a, I'll list them out in the article. I'll link to it. But this is kind of interesting. And, you know, the fact that the Fed is buying, they haven't said, I mean, they've said they'll they'll do 250 to 500 billion. Again, I, I, they didn't specify that I can see that they're going to do this on exchange-traded funds. But, you know, they also have been buying individual bonds. But 6.8 billion I mean, it's one of those things you always say, don't fight the Fed. Really don't fight the Fed here, it seems like, because if the Fed is going to be coming in and buying some of the, these exchange-traded funds, you know, look, there, there's other factors involved. Uh, of course, you could see, you know, massive selling in any of these. You could see massive buying, right? But it, it, I find it quite interesting to think about, um, is this similar to the Bernanke put? Uh, remember, the Bernanke put was, this leveled the market, you know, Bernanke and, and his time in the Fed wouldn't let the market fall below. They, you know, lower interest rates, do quantitative easing, operation twist, QE2, QE3, whatever you call it, right? But this is, uh, this is quite a big deal that the Federal Reserve is actually buying exchange-traded funds. I mentioned a few episodes ago, you know, Japan, Bank of Japan, um, their Federal Reserve equivalent, They've been doing this for a lot of years. They've actually been buying ETFs. And uh, there's quite a bit that's been written on that. And then you, you sort of look at, okay, what about the individual corporate bonds? So, you know, when you look at the corporate bond market um, and they're, so ETFs, right? That's buying bonds theoretically, but it's sort of indirectly, right? Because the, the ETFs actually, um, you know, they... 
they hold bonds. And so buying those ETFs, meaning the collateral that, that under, you know, underneath those, those ETFs, buying that collateral will help the, the ETFs. But then you also have them buying individual bonds as well. And as far as I can tell, they've bought about $220 billion, uh, if my numbers are right here. No, no, $221 million. Sorry, I misspoke there. There's a, <laughs> I thought that was a, a comma rather than a dot. So uh, $221 million in individual bonds. These are mostly, looks like a lot of Dow companies. So for example, some of the highest ones they bought, it looks like about $16 million of AT&T bonds, maturing anywhere from 21 to 25, CVS, Coca-Cola, Chevron, Exxon, Ford Motor. Um, they've bought uh, Hyatt Hotels, Marriott, Philip Morris, VMware. Uh, again, I'll, I'll link to this. You can download it. I won't go through everyone. Home Depot's in there as well. And then you look at uh, you know, consumer non-cyclical, sort of about 20% of the bonds they bought was in there. Consumer cyclical was about 15%. And then you look at the ratings, uh, about half of the, the bonds they've bought are about 48% are AAA, AA, single A. Triple Bs uh, would be 48% and double Bs about 3.62%. And the average weighted maturity about 3.3 years. So they're, they're definitely buying. I mean, they're out there buying individual bonds, uh, which is which is interesting uh, between that. So they definitely bought more in 6.8 billion of, uh, let me just make sure my math is correct here. Yeah, they've definitely bought more of the ETFs at 6.8 billion than they have in the bonds, what I say about 221, 229 million. But again, they, they've said in their March statement, that they were going to do 250 to 500 billion dollars. So who knows if the Fed is just getting started uh, because they have not bought 250 billion dollars quite yet. Um, so that that's really interesting, and I will I will link to this. I actually expected to see you know the CNBCs and Bloomberg's of the world spend a little bit more time on that when it came out. Uh, because it's just very, very new. I mean, this is directly going into the market and buying marketable exchange-traded funds and then buying, uh, you know, individual corporate debt. Of course, you know, many people point to 2008, the, uh, you know, the bailouts and, and different things like that that happened. And that was the government, you know, taking a, a stake in some of these, these companies uh, or doing loans or doing other things. Uh, but this is a little bit newer, um, at least that I can remember, in the market. So keep an eye on that. I'll link to it. You can pull up. There's a spreadsheet. Uh, you can play around with it a little bit. Um, you can you know, do a search. You can sort. Uh, you can sum up the values, and you can take a look at that. Uh, but I'll, I'll link to a couple things from there. All right, so now let's talk about tips, T-I-T. PS, or Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. I mentioned that I've been getting some questions on these recently, and there's really two schools of thought. We know that interest rates have been going lower. They continue to go lower despite some blips up since really the, 
the March 1981 high, we've been on this sort of general trajectory lower. Interest rates are negative in parts of Europe, uh, Japan, some other places in the world. And for a little bit of time, I think it was back in March or February, we actually saw a negative yield to maturity. I believe it was the two-year treasury. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, It's not that way anymore. So treasury inflation protected bonds, these came about, I mean, there's been other other iterations, but I, I believe it was like 95, 96, kind of maybe after the mid 90s, uh, these came out. And so this attempted to address the problem of declining purchasing power um, if you get inflation, right? So imagine it this way, right? If Imagine you're getting paid 1% a year, okay? So you buy a bond, you buy a treasury bond, 10-year treasury bond, and this is called the nominal versus the the real yield. So the nominal yield is 1%. It's not 1% right now, but for our example, let's go with that. So you put 1,000 bucks into this bond, and every year you get paid $10. Think Think of that as your cash flow, right? So... You pay for it at par, brand new bond, pay $1,000, so you don't go into the secondary market. You don't pay more or less than par. You just pay par, okay? Of course, bonds can, interest rates go down, bond prices go up, interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Uh, But you buy this bond for $1,000, 1% coupon, so 1% times 1,000 is what you get every year. It's 10 bucks. And you can pay twice a year, so you get five bucks and five bucks, okay? The problem, though, is that if inflation goes up, let's say inflation jumps and you're only getting, you know, 1% a year. Well, the problem there is that um, as inflation goes up, new bonds, theoretically, um, and it's not a, not a perfect exact match, but um, there's a correlation between interest rates and inflation. And so if inflation rose, you would expect the rate at which investors demand cash flows to go up as well. The problem is if you own this bond, while there's pretty much not really a chance the U.S. will default on the Treasury bond, right? There's always default risk. They can always, we can always print more money. Uh, it might debase or devalue the currency. But you're going to get these coupon payments. You're going to get your thousand bucks back at par, right? So the problem is, if interest rates go up, your purchasing power goes down. Your real return, which is your nominal one plus your nominal. Uh, divided by one plus your uh, it, the inflation rate gets you what's called your real return. It's your return after accounting for inflation. So late 90s, I think it was 96. I'd have to go back and look though. Um, late 90s, they come out with something called the, the TIPS bonds, Treasury Infl- Inflation Protected Securities. And these are issued by the Treasury, much like normal Treasury bonds are. But the deal is these work a little bit differently and that their price, um, their principal can grow uh, if there's a growth in the CPI, the consumer price index used to measure inflation. And this actually spawned sort of a new chart or new indicator called break-even inflation. So uh, if you look, for example, uh, on Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, I'll put a link to this. The 10-year break-even inflation rate right now is 1.41%. Well, without getting too much into it, what that means is if you take uh, the, tre- the 
let's say the coupon rate or the um, the interest rate that the treasuries are paying minus the the rate that tips are paying. Um, that's what that is measuring. It's called the break even, right? And that break even rate basically means that after, if you were going to do a um, a return or you're going to look at um, after taking account for inflation, it's the inflation rate, so that 1.41%. It's a moment in time, right? Because that changes as yields change. But it's the inflation rate when inflation-adjusted uh, returns or cash flows are equal. So if we only have 1.41% inflation over the next 10 years, uh, your real return would be, after inflation, the same owning a tip as it would the the treasury bond, okay? So that's kind of, you know, some of the, the vernacular that, that you hear with these. And so the tips is like, hey, I'd put my money into bonds, but what if I have inflation? What happens then? I'm losing purchasing power. And sure, if I hold the bond to maturity, I get my principal back. But the problem is my real return after inflation might actually be negative. So this is where tips come into play. And here's how they work. So let's say you have a brand new treasury inflation protected bond. Let's say it's a 10-year bond uh, issued at par. So par is 100, price of 100 or a value of $1,000. It's got a coupon of one half percent. And so normally we say, okay, well, at a half percent, this bond's going to pay me five bucks a year. Okay, so here's what happens. And the way it works is I think there's a little bit of a lag, but let's say the monthly CPI, so the consumer price index, goes up. Uh, I think a few months later, the Treasury adjusts the price of the principal of bond. But for our purposes here, um, just to keep it simple, I'll, I'll imagine we're just doing this on a year-on-year basis, okay? But they do look at monthly adjustments. <clears throat> and what happens is the Treasury will adjust up the principal and it will adjust down the principal if you have deflation, so the opposite of inflation, right? So let's go through an example. That brand new bond, thousand bucks, half percent coupon. So that would give you five dollars per year or two fifty every six months in a coupon payment. Okay. So let's say inflation goes up by 200 basis points or two percent, right? What the Treasury will do is, and again, I'm doing this on year over year, but they, in reality, they do it monthly, and there's a little bit of a lag. Like in month one, if they if there's a, an adjustment um, higher in CPI, I believe that trickles in a few months later into the price of the, of the bond, right? But 2% inflation, and so what happens? Well, what happens is your principal of 1000 bucks is going to get adjusted up based upon the rate of inflation, so if there's 2% inflation, that's 2% times 1,000 is 20 bucks. So now your principal goes to 1,020. Okay, so that's how um, inflation is put into um, you know, the price of the bond. But here's what's kind of interesting too, is that remember we said originally a half percent coupon, so 0.5 on 1,000 bucks is five bucks a year. But what happens is after they adjust the price upwards based upon inflation, that new bond goes from 1000 um, to 1020 after the 2% adjustment. But the coupon is now based upon the adjusted principal. So that half percent, the 0.5, is now multiplied by 1020 
to get an annual amount of about $5.10. So as your principal gets adjusted higher, your coupon can wind up going up as well. And basically what you're trying to do, you're trying to, instead of just nominal value, you're basically giving a real coupon yield and a real principal amount after uh, inflation adjustments. So what this does is it sort of preserves um, the purchasing power. If you have massive inflation, you know, these go higher. Let's say in year two, our bond that's uh, trading at 1,020, we have 5% jump in inflation. Oh, that's, that would be significant given where we've been over the last decade. But now uh, that 5% would jump the price from 1,020 to 1,071. You know, 5% times uh, 1,020 is, what is that, 51. So 51 would be the adjustment, so 1,071. Now that same coupon, half a percent times 1,071 is $5.36. So you see your, your payments, your cash flows that you're getting from the bonds go up. And then let's say year three, to kind of round out the example, um, I won't take it all the way to 10 years. Let's say you have deflation minus 2%. Uh-oh. Yep, that's going to cause the price to go down. So uh, your bond would go from 1,071 to 1,049 and 58 cents, declining 2%. And yep, your coupon payment would go down as well. Your new coupon payment would be only, it would go from 536 to 525, half a percent on, on 1,049.58. So this is where deflation, and this brings up the risk of this, the positive of this, if you believe there's going to be massive inflation, this is an interesting you know, area. There are other ways to play inflation, and, and this is not a, an all-encompassing discussion. But what are the risks here? We've got a couple of risks. Obviously, there's market factors, there's buyers and sellers, and that, could, uh, that can impact the prices. Uh, we saw these dislocate a little bit earlier in the year where the break-even inflation rate actually dropped uh, below one. But deflation is a risk, right? Because if you have a lot of deflation, and typically deflation happens around recessions, you can go back and look, uh, look that up. But if you had, let's say, massive deflation, um, that's going to impact the price of these bonds. Just trading, market, you know, buyers and sellers, um, supply and demand, that, that can impact this. The other thing that can impact this as well is the idea of inflation. So if inflation um, or if interest rates, sorry, not inflation, if interest rates went really down, you know, you expect these to do, do a little bit better, especially if there's still inflation. But if you had a, a rise in rates, um, new TIPS bonds would theoretically be issued at higher coupon rates, right? So a couple of risks there. Um, historically, how have these done? Over the last 10 years, uh, the compounded annual growth rate um, on a nominal basis, so not adjusting for inflation, was like 3.5%. Um, if you look, you know, and they, and they kind of extrapolate what they would have done, um, you know, 80s, 90s, uh, maybe going back a little bit more. Um, but obviously, the higher inflation, uh, the more these get adjusted. Um, but that's, that's a little bit of an idea. These can be purchased directly from the treasury. Um, I've never quite done that, but most brokerage firms, you can buy individual bonds um, in treasuries and they'll have a list of these. And also there's several ETF companies, for example, Vanguard, uh, 
Schwab and iShares all have TIPS ETFs. And this lets you buy an exchange traded fund and hold a number of these bonds. Uh, and you know, you can kind of Google those and, uh, and, and look for yourself on there. So hopefully this sort of explains what a TIPS bond is, the Treasury Inflation Protected Security, how they work. And, you know, I think there's, um, it's, it's not difficult once you understand it, but I think uh, there's a couple things that some people miss on here. One of them is that uh, the adjustment in the coupon payments is based upon the coupon amount times the new rate. Um, and then the other thing is, what's interesting about these is they sort of have, I suppose if you buy it too far above par, um, you lose this, this special privilege. But the way these get redeemed at, at maturity, so let's say you bought a 10-year bond and you had a bunch of inflation and, and the price is now, you know, 1200 bucks, right? Well, you'll, you'll get the higher of the inflation-adjusted principal amount. So let's say it did have a bunch of inflation. After 10 years, it's at, you know, 1200 bucks. Um, that would be a, a 20%, you know, cumulative increase from, let's say, if you bought it at 1000 um, but it's the higher of the adjusted principal amount or par value, which in this case would be a thousand. And so, let's say you bought the bond and you had nothing but deflation for ten years. Well, you would get your thousand, at least a thousand back, because it's the higher of the par value or the inflation-adjusted price. Okay, so this does bring a little nuance if you're buying, you know, aftermarket Treasury in, uh, inflation-protected bonds and you have a bunch of deflation, you know, you're, um, let's say you buy it at 1200 and then it goes down to 1100, where you're going to get the higher of 1100 or 1000. So at least you'll get the 1100, but you can see a reduction in principle due to uh, deflation. So I'll put some links in this episode. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, but I think it's all related because you've got the Federal Reserve buying exchange traded funds uh, right now, we haven't seen inflation. Um, there are on the periphery, people like Professor Siegel, Jeremy Siegel from Wharton, has said he thinks all this money going into the M1 money supply, you know, the direct payments, the stimulus checks, may cause a little bit of inflation. But at the same time, the Federal Reserve seems, um, in their recent meeting, I think they said they believe rates should be here for um, at least through 2022. Uh, but let's face it, if you go back and look at all the Fed predictions, they haven't been the great and making the greatest at making long run, uh, long run or long range predictions. So we'll just have to see. Um, what I would ask of everyone too is, you know, keep the questions coming. Uh, you can go to razorwealth.com, contact me and send me a note. Um, this was a question from somebody who wanted to know about tip sponsors. So I thought, you know, I, I can do that. Um, the other thing I would ask is just share this episode or any ep any episodes with someone you think might be interested in the content, but also uh, maybe someone who's never listened to a podcast. There are those of you out there, and uh, not everybody knows how to get to those. So rather than if you want to go into iTunes and rate and review five stars, uh, that would be great too. That always helps. But um, or whatever rating service you you use, but please share this, and uh, I would appreciate it. All right, everyone. We'll be back next week.